The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, another glorious weekend is upon you. But first, we will get through this half hour of the Disability Law Show. want to make sure you uh, know how to reach out anytime beyond this half hour, too. And we tell you to toll-free, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca or simply the website, disabilityrights.ca. For more contact information and uh, things we talk about on the show, as well. John Skull's here, of course. Savannah Tamarkin is here from San Firu Tamarkin LLP. And you can reach out at the aforementioned uh, contact. we got lots of stuff to get through. We're going to get to the top three categories of damages in a claim for uh, tort claims following a car accident. I know it's not winter anymore. It's hot and sunny and beautiful going forward, but these things still happen, so this is information you're going to want to uh, want to learn anyway. But we always start off, Savannah, with a, a week that was or a case of the day. What do you got going on your end, pal? Absolutely, John. Great to be with you. You're right. The weather is fantastic. Hopefully, it'll stay that way. But, you know, people are still getting to car accidents. Remember, people were in car accidents throughout the winter and have been taking care of their own health. But now they're trying to understand, you know, what are the repercussions of those injuries that they suffered? What kind of compensation they can be looking to get? And, and, you know, we're not just talking about car accidents. We're talking about other things. So let me tell you about something here. Uh, A a lady that I spoke with earlier this week, uh, last week, actually, which remind me of a case I had a while back. So uh, specifically, specifically, this lady called me up this week and told me that when she was visiting her son's school or dropping her son off at school, uh, it's a Montessori school, uh, at the parking lot, there was a big pothole. Uh, we're talking about something fairly large, not something mm-hmm. that's like a centimeter, right? Like, I mean, it's a few inches deep. It's just big. And, and that makes sense after a winter season. This is Canada. These things happen. They have to be repaired. But it reminded me of a case I had a few years back. Let me tell you about that case because I think there are some lessons there that people should be aware of and, and understand. Uh, so what happened was is I, I had a, a client uh, who was crossing a parking lot to get to her hairdresser and it was around 6 p.m. in the evening I remember the facts really clearly it was winter time and she had tripped on that pothole which was about three inches high and about five inches in diameter so it's it's fairly significant Uh, she fell face down she broke her right arm as she was trying to stop the fall but she also broke her jaw she wasn't able to completely stop the fall and so she hit her head which is why she she broke her jaw but she also Mm -hmm. suffered a concussion so we're dealing with a broken arm and a concussion. And again, concussion, for people who don't know, is essentially a brain injury. It's such as some of, some of these concussions, some of these injuries, people can get over. With treatments, uh, you know, they don't have any residual impairments. But some of these concussions do have long-term implications. In any event, she was 58 years old at the time of the accident. She worked as an executive assistant. And because of those injuries, I remember she was telling me she was off work for seven months. And then she only was able to go back to work on a part-time basis, 10 hours a week. And that was because of her headaches, limitations, memory issues, etc. Now, here's the thing. Her son, her adult son, who's who's a sophisticated guy, he's not in the field, he's not in insurance, he's not a lawyer, but he's a smart guy. He tried to deal directly with the insurance company that insured the property where the pothole uh, was. And after some negotiations, the adjuster he was dealing with offered him $25,000 in exchange for a signed release, meaning that he wanted uh, this lady to sign a piece of paper that said that for this $25,000, the property owner is released from any and all liability in the future, any and all damages. So 
the lady heard me on the radio. She contacted me or told her son to contact me, actually. I met with both of them. And I explained to them that, no, $25,000 is a drop in the bucket given the, um, the type of injuries that she suffered and the, the ongoing issues that she was having with, with work. And when we did our when, when we did that when we did our due diligence, sorry, mm-hmm. and we investigated, we found out that although the property owner was responsible for the area where we had the pothole, there was actually a third party company that was contracted to repair right. those potholes. But guess what? Apparently, this third party company had a track record of not fixing these things in time. We actually had records. We got records down the road. There were many complaints, mm-hmm. and the owner of the property that had this pothole knew about these issues. Now, wow. the owner of the property thought that they could shift blame onto this third-party company, right? Because they didn't repair it. No. We settled the case. You don't know how much we settled the case for, John? How much? Guess. Just throw a number. <sighs> 20 grand. <laughs> no. We settled <sighs> the case. So each party, the, the insurance company for the property owner and the insurance company for the company that was tasked with repairing the pothole, each ponied up Two hundred and seventy-five thousand. Oh my God! The total settlement was five hundred and fifty thousand, over half a million dollars. Remember, she was offered initially twenty-five grand to settle this. Jeez, so, man. So you know, I'm I'm telling you this because this lady that called me earlier the, last week triggered this for me. This this memory, and you know, the lessons are as follows: If you're injured because of a danger created by someone else be it a pothole, uh, uneven sidewalk, I don't know, you rented a house or a cottage and there was a problem with it, structural problem and you were injured or someone you know, in your family was injured, you are entitled to compensation because of injuries you suffered due to someone else's negligence. And there's going to be an insurance company behind whoever it is we go after, right? We all have insurance. Mm-hmm. It's extremely important to speak with one of us. And by the way, we, we consult on these kinds of cases for, for free. So it doesn't cost you anything to get this information. And we'll tell you exactly what you can and cannot do, what your case is valued at, what kind of compensation you can be looking at, and what needs to be done and when. The other thing I wanted to mention, and John, you and I talk about this a lot, make sure you take photos and videos of whatever caused you the injury. So in this case, the son went the next day and took pictures and videos of the pothole. Very, very important because if you don't have that, it becomes a he said, she said situation. Right. And the last thing I would say to people, and again, this sort of circles back to the $25,000 she was initially offered. Do not try to deal with these insurers by yourself. If you do, you're doing it at your own risk. These guys are pros. They're professionals. I used to work for insurance companies. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that I had cases that landed on my desk where I was working for insurance companies where the adjuster was trying to settle these cases for cents on the dollar. And in some cases, people thought that they were smart and they would take those cases on. Sorry, they would take those settlements. Only to find out down the road that, in fact, the case is worth a lot more. But guess what? Once you sign that full and final release, that piece of paper, releasing the, the other side from liability, you're done. A court is almost never going to overturn these documents, these releases. So get the legal help you need initially. Speak with us. It costs nothing, whether it's with me or someone on my team. Like this is what we do for a living, you know. And many of us, by the way, on my team have worked for insurance companies in the past, so we know the other side as well. So just be very, very careful. And again, even though it's summertime, people still get injured and still need help. And with that, we'll get into our topic of the day, or at least uh, get started on it. That would be the top three categories of damages in a claim for damages for a tort claim following a car accident. This is such important stuff. Listen up. Number one, pain and suffering, non-pecuniary general damages. Break that down for me, Paul. 
Right. I mean, this sounds like Greek, right, for most people. So when we're talking about a tort claim, John, we're not talking about the no-fault benefits, right? If you're injured in a car accident, God forbid, and you suffer injuries, you know, that prevent you from working, let's say, you're entitled to certain benefits from your own insurance company. Or if you don't have automobile insurance, then those benefits will come from whichever car you're in. Or if you're a pedestrian, from the car that hits you. The point is, Accident benefits are benefits like uh, um, money for treatments that you may need, um, uh, income replacement if you cannot work uh, after the accident because of the injuries, etc. So these are no-fault benefits. But you mentioned tort. What is tort? Well, in some circumstances in Ontario, under Ontario law, if your injuries are serious enough and they're permanent, and by permanent I mean that they're going to be with you for the foreseeable future, and they're preventing you from doing most of the things of your daily living. Uh, it, maybe it, they prevent you from working or working to the same capacity that you were able to work before the accident. You are potentially going to be entitled to these tort damages from the insurance company of the car that caused your accident. So you mentioned pain and suffering, which in legal lingo is called non-pecuniary general damages. It's just a fancy way of saying that the pain that you suffered, which of course cannot be quantified, but courts have tried to quantify because they want to award you something for the fact that you're injured, you are potentially entitled to that. And how much are you entitled to? That depends. It just depends. It depends on the severity of the injury or injuries. It depends on how much those injuries are impacting your daily life. It depends on whether or not those injuries are going to be uh, there with you into the future. It depends on whether or not the treatments have been able to help you. It depends on many things. But to give you a very rough idea, you know, it's not unusual for us to resolve claims where somebody experiences back pain, chronic neck pain, uh, concussion, things like that, and their pain and suffering, just that portion of their damages can be assessed at $50,000, $60,000, dollars maybe even over $100,000. It just depends on the severity of the injury and the severity of the impact of those injuries on your daily living. But it's really important to understand. But believe it or not, pain and suffering is usually, usually in many cases that we handle, not the biggest category of compensation you can be looking oh, wow. at. So when we come back from, from, from break, I want to talk about the other large categories. And those are the ones where, you know, when you hear about cases that are worth uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions even, it's those two categories that usually drive up the damages are worth. And we'll get to that after that uh, short break. Again, top three categories of damages, tort claim following that car accident. Listen up for more on the other side. In the meantime, the phone number toll free to Savannah and his team, 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue with the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, welcome back. Disability Law Show. We're about to let you go for the weekend. A few minutes to go, though, so I want to get back to our uh, main topic for the uh, for the evening. Important one, top three categories of damages in a claim and a tort claim uh, following a car accident. We mentioned pain and suffering off the top, which sounds like it could be a big number, but these next two or uh, really where the uh, the money is number one uh, number two rather Savannah's economic losses that seems like a pretty uh, deep category lots of things under that umbrella yeah there are tons tons yeah. of, of of aspects there and and details that we have to be mindful of so 
you know, the most simple type of case that I can tell you we may be dealing with after a car accident is somebody who, you know, was an employee at a company, whether it was a grocery store, whether the person was an executive or an engineer, you know, whatever the, whatever the job was, the person is now unable to work uh, after the accident or unable to work to the same degree after the accident. And it's really key to understand that when we're looking at those kinds of claims, we're going to be looking at tax returns. So if your tax return, John, for the last five years, as an example, just give you an example here, shows that you were earning $50,000 a year. And now after the accident, you are earning $25,000 a year. And we project that that's going to happen for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Do the math. $25,000 times 10 years, $250,000. Now, it's not a straightforward calculation because there's going to be income replacement benefits you're going to be entitled to from your own insurance company. There's a variety of other things we have to take into account. All that said, what happens if you're a university student? And now your university studies have been impacted, or not even university. You, you're, you know, you're an electrician, and and you know you are you are working with someone. You haven't actually gotten your license yet. What happens if you're now, you know, your ability to work has been interrupted, maybe temporary, maybe for the future. We have to assess those kinds of losses. What happens if you went back to work, full time, but now you cannot work the overtime that before the accident you were able to work? We have to calculate these kinds of damages. We have to calculate these losses because the other side is going to be responsible for paying you those losses. But the other side has an insurance company who has an interest not to pay you that. So this is where we come in. This is where we really try hard, really try hard to get the right experts, to get, to get the right information that we need in order to make sure that you are fully compensated and that you get everything that you're supposed to get under the law. Now, the law is not perfect. It's not, it's just not. However, what we can do is maximize the amount of money that you're gonna put in your pocket, uh, despite the fact that the law is not perfect, just by right. using the various tools that we have. And that includes using certain experts, that includes requesting certain information that otherwise insurance companies you know, may not have and need in order to assess your damages. So economic losses can be astronomical. You can have a situation where you have a kid that's injured as a result of a car accident and that child will now have significant economic losses into the future because that person will not be able to now earn what otherwise they could have earned as an adult. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Number three is a big one too and that's uh, rehabilitative treatment and losses. Yeah. Absolutely. Now imagine yeah. a situation, John, where you have somebody who suffered, whether it's a fracture or a brain injury or any kind of injury that now requires some modification at home that could be expensive, or maybe that person now needs physiotherapy for the next few years or chiropractic care. There is a limit usually to what you can get from your own insurance company by way of accident benefits. But oftentimes when we're dealing with more significant cases, cases where a person is injured, has suffered multiple injuries perhaps, and the doctors are saying that this person is going to need these treatments. Sometimes they're physical treatments, sometimes they're psychological treatments, sometimes they're a combination of them. Who's going to pay for all that? Your insurance company will pay for a certain amount. They may pay up to $3,500, they may pay up to $60,000, they may mm. pay up to a certain amount of money, but maybe there will be some other amount or some other treatments that are not covered. Again, these are, this is one of those categories where sometimes when we are pursuing these kinds of claims, the claim value goes up by hundreds of thousands of dollars because the person will need those rehabilitation and treatments uh, for the future, and someone has to pay for that. It shouldn't come out of the pocket of the person who's injured. That's not fair. So the law allows us to make that claim against whoever was at fault. Their insurance company is going to have to pony up the money. 
I think we have time for an email. Didn't uh, wasn't sure we're going to, but I think uh, I think we're good. Uh, Natalie is the one, and uh, this is a motor vehicle accident. Email says, guys, uh, thanks for taking the uh, thanks for answering my email. Says I've been listening uh, to you since uh, start of your show. Thank you for selecting my email to read. My son is in university. He was hit by a car backing out of a parking stall at school about 13 months ago. He suffered a broken collarbone broken leg, tore his ankle muscle, and suffered a concussion while the broken bones healed pretty good. He still has issues walking uh, from the muscular tear and still has concentration and memory issues from the concussion. He had to defer completing his last two semesters because of these brain issues and would now graduate a year or more later than he should have uh, with uncertain grades when he had a great uh, GPA beforehand. We are worried about his ability to graduate with good grades, how this could impact his future, makes sense, right? And really his ability to get into the graduate program he was planning on. Anything we can be uh, that can be done, says Natalie. That's, that's rough. Your kid. That is very rough. Natalie, I, I can't even imagine what your family has been going through. And let me break this down. Number one, uh, the first question that we ask in a case like this is who was at fault? It is unequivocally clear here that the car that was backing out is at fault. Now I say no. that even though people may say, well, of course, I mean, why are we even saying that? Of course he's not at fault. The car was backing out. Well, every case can have facts which may, you know, uh, make the, the, the waters murky a bit. Uh, so just from the facts that Natalie's described, it certainly seems to me like he's not going to be held at fault here, her son, and he's going to be able to recover compensation from the insurance con- uh, company of the car that backed out. But it's not always the case, and that's why I want to mention that, because we have to do that analysis as lawyers. It's something that is incumbent on us. It's not always common sense. But in this case, he's going to be entitled to significant compensation. So let me break that down. He suffered a tremendous amount of injuries. My concern here, obviously, as is Natalie's, and I, I bet you the rest of the family, is the long-term effects of the concussion, of the tears, of the fractures, of all these things. And John, you know, we talked about the fact that he's going to be entitled to accident benefits. I don't know if he's going to be in the non-catastrophic category of accident benefits or the catastrophic. And the reason why this is important is because the amount of benefits, the actual dollar value that he's going to have access to differs whether he is placed in the non-catastrophic category of injury or the catastrophic. So for example, who makes that under, determination? Well, so the insurance company will make that determination, but we as the legal uh-huh. representatives, if we disagree with that determination, we can fight that. And we often do fight that. So I'll give you an example. Let's say the insurance company says he's non-catastrophic. Well, if he's non-catastrophic, he's going to have access from his own insurance company or actually the insurance company of the whoever hit him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be entitled to up to $65,000 for medical and rehabilitation benefits. If he's placed in the catastrophic category, he will have access up to a million dollars of medical and rehabilitation benefits. You understand there's a massive difference. Now that's just accident benefits. I'm very concerned with the impact on his psyche, on his intellect, on everything else that, you know, they were hoping for him to be able to accomplish as a student, as a mature adult. And what I would have to do here is we would have to speak with the doctors who are treating him. We'd have to look at all the medical documentation. We would have to have him seen by various experts, top in their fields, that we would pay for, not him, not his mother, not his family. We would pay for those experts to understand the full scope of these injuries and impairments and so that we can then hire the right people, like a forensic accountant, for example, to give us a calculation. And again, I'm I'm simplifying it, but it's a lot more complex to allow us to understand what is the real 
loss here? What are what are the, the, the losses that he stands mm-hmm. to lose? Now, something else I want to mention to people. Under Ontario law, if you were injured or someone you loved was injured as a result of a car accident or a trip and fall or in any way, and someone is held responsible for that, someone was negligent and that negligence caused it, it's not just the injured person who, are, who is potentially entitled to compensation. It's also certain family members. Under the Family Law Act, Section 61 in Ontario, certain family members are entitled to certain compensation. For example, in this case, if Natalie now has to provide certain care to her son because of his injuries, well, she's entitled to compensation for that care. She's also entitled to compensation for the fact that she doesn't have the same son that she had before the accident. You know, so again, it's not just the person who's injured that may be able to get compensation. It's also the immediate family members. And again, we can explain that to Natalie and to her family. Now, one last thing I want to mention here, John, uh, before we move on, uh, is that she mentioned that this happened 13 months ago. So remember, there is a two-year limitation period for these kinds of claims in Ontario to pursue the party that was at fault for the accident for these kinds of damages. Beyond the two-year mark, you are now at jeopardy of your claim being vanquished, essentially having no recourse to get that money from the insurance company of the person they hit you. So you have to be very, very careful not to procrastinate, not to wait too long. If you do wait too long, and I do have people because of the show, the show has been running for years, John. Uh, The TV show has been running for years. I get emails and calls on a weekly basis from people who have now heard these shows for the first time and they had an injury or they had a disability claim or they had some kind of an issue five years ago, 10 years ago. And I have to tell them, look, you would have been entitled to a lot of money back then but it's outside of the limitation period. There's a two-year limitation period in Ontario to, to claim this kind of compensation. Now, there are some exceptions, but they're rare, and you certainly don't want to be arguing those exceptions because the insurance company will be emboldened. And even if there's a settlement down the road, if you're outside the limitation period, your settlement is going to be most likely cents on the dollar. But the point is, get on this right away. Don't hesitate and wait and go through the appeal process and all that stupidness, right? Yeah, there are three major mistakes I see people uh, uh, generally do after they're injured or if they're denied disability. Number one, they procrastinate. They just don't do anything. They're paralyzed, whether it's by fear or whether it's because they're focused on their health, which is understandable, but they wait too long. So procrastination and not doing anything is number one. Number two is trying to deal with these things themselves, thinking that, oh, why do I need a lawyer? You know, hmm. instead, let me just go and Google the information. They get wrong information and they negotiate themselves. And that goes back to the initial case I told you about. Remember, with yes. the son of the lady that was injured in a pothole, they almost signed a $25,000 settlement. Thank God they didn't because I was able to get them over half a million dollars Jeez. for those injuries. The third mistakes, uh, mistake most people make is that they hired the wrong lawyer or the wrong law firm. Now, look, just like in any profession, there are good people who know what they're doing and there are people who don't know what they're doing. I'd like to think that we know what we're doing. We have a strong reputation. We have the experience. We have the firepower. We have the financial firepower to go after these insurance companies. But there are other lawyers who are very good as well. But if you fall and sign up with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing or is not going to look out for your best interest, you're going to end up with less money that you're owed. And with that, we're going to carry you off into the weekend. We hope you learned something if you want to talk later, if something rings true for you and you need to have that chat with Savannah, a member of his team, you're always invited to do so before you get off into your weekend. one 821 5900 Again, one 821 
800-821-5900 or reach out by phone. That email address we use, help at disabilityrights.ca and other questions can be asked anonymously, mind you, mydisabilityquestions.com. And we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. Have a great weekend. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.